God bless you. Before you take your seats, I'd like to introduce the text for today. It comes to us from 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 7. Very familiar passage of scripture. For God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord as we greet one and all in the precious name of Jesus and say praise the Lord to you. Amen. I, I want to say some significant things to you today. And I want to first deal with something and I'm going to leave it and I'll come back and get it at the end. But I hear a lot of messages about praise. And we get the name Judah and we take off to praise. The, there are seven root words for praise in the book of Psalms. You have halal. You have Zamar, you have Yoda, Toda, Shabak, and Barak. Judah is not listed as a praise in the book of Psalms. His mother said she was going to praise the Lord and named him Judah. But if you want to understand what Judah's name means, you have to read Genesis where Jacob on his deathbed is talking to his sons. And he says this in uh, Genesis 49 verses 8 and 9. Judah, thou art he whom thine brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp or a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stoopeth down. He couches as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall arouse him? And so if I'm going to tell you to be Judah... I'm not to teach you how to dance and shout. I'm to teach you how to fight. Because there's some things that are not going away with a praise. So we, we, we have to learn to scrap. We, 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 we've got to learn how to fight the lioness is so confident in the cub until the lioness will let her cub play with a cobra because she's so confident that the lioness reflexes are so much faster than the cobra that he'll never strike them now, let's leave that there, and I'll come back and get it in a few minutes. The Apostle Paul, in his first letter to Timothy, addresses three concerns. 
the prophecies which went before on Timothy and that he let no man despise his youth and that he neglect not the gift that was bestowed upon him by the presbytery. In this second letter, Paul is not gentle with Timothy. I charge you to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove and rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. So he opens this letter and he deals with Timothy's spiritual heritage. He starts with his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice and he describes their walk of faith. Paul is convinced that the same spirit is in Timothy but Timothy needs a push. Because of his age he did not always assume the correct spiritual posture when challenged. So Paul assures Timothy of one thing. I want to say to you, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Fear brings torment. Now here's what I need the church to know. The last thing that the Lord said to the church before his ascension is ye shall have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In the ninth chapter of the book of Luke, Jesus sent out the 12 and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. In the 10th chapter, he sent out 70 and gave them power over all the power of the enemy and told them nothing shall anywise hurt thee. He said, I have given you power to tread upon scorpions and serpents. Now you have to realize that the scorpion is not an insect. The scorpion is part of the arachnophobia, the spider family. It is the smallest animal in the animal kingdom. The power of the scorpion is in his tail. The power of the serpent is in his mouth. So from the head to the tail, God has given you authority over the enemy. Now we say, get thee behind me, Satan. But then we're naturally afraid of snakes. The rattlesnake rattles because he's afraid of you. So if you're going to have Satan to get behind you, you've got to walk over him. You've got to tread on him. Uh, the scripture never would have said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Now let me explain some things to you about God. The first thing I want you to tighten up your seatbelt. Because God is not supernatural. We use the term super for athletes. 
that do things above what ordinary people can do. But these athletes are taking performance-enhancing drugs, steroids, and all kind of energy-boosting content. God doesn't need to drink Boost, Red Bull, five-hour energy, doesn't need to take steroids. God is almighty. At the size of a mustard seed, God can still do the impossible. At the size of a mustard seed, God can still move mountains. Mm. God doesn't need to get all worked up to cast out demons, to feed 5,000. Jesus said, if I, with the finger of God, not the hand, just the finger of God, cast out devils. So God is not supernatural God is naturally super when God finished creation he wasn't tired when it says he rested on the seventh day it just meant he ceased to create Isaiah wrote about it and he says has thou not known Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. When Sarah laughed at the prophecy of a son, God asked his own question. Is there anything too hard for God? What we call super to the natural is natural to the spiritual. Let me say that to you again. What we call super to the natural is natural to the spiritual. Now, tighten your seatbelts up again. When God filled you, with the Holy Ghost. He did not fill you with heavenly power. If it was heavenly power, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away. That meant you had the Holy Ghost. It's only a temporary gift. So he didn't fill you with heavenly power. He filled you with the power that created heaven. Now check this out. When we say that God is omnipotent, we are not saying he is the smartest one in the group. We are saying that all power originates from him. We're not saying he's the strongest one in the group, but we're saying that all power originates from him. Principalities and power get their authority from him. God is energy without source. He does not need to eat, drink, or breathe to exist. 
when we say that God is omniscient. We are not saying he's the smartest one in the group. We are saying that all knowledge comes from him. The only thing you can know is what God already knows. When we say God is omnipresent, we are not saying he has the greatest presence like charisma. We are saying there is no somewhere that God isn't there. The truth is, when God spoke in creation, it does not tell you the volume of his voice. Because if you could go to the edge of creation, it would only tell you where he told his voice to stop. The psalmist writes, says, whether shall I go from thy spirit? Whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there thy hand leads me. Now, there's something else I need you to know. The scripture says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all manner of diseases. Then Romans picks it up and says, but if that spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The reason that Christ is far above principalities and power is because the spirit in him created the principalities and power. No one ever creates anything and gives it more authority than their children. You work on a job and the boss's son is running around. He's cantankerous. He's bad. You want to take a belt and whip his behind. But one day that little boy is going to be the boss. God never makes anything and give it more authority than his children. The scripture says the son, while he is a child, differed nothing from a servant until the appointed time of the father. Though he be Lord of all. So when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, he filled you with the power that created heaven. Now check this out. To ride an animal demonstrates physical power. But to whistle for a dog shows authority. To put your foot on the brake to stop the car requires physical strength. But to stand up in the middle of the street and put your hand up and stop a diesel, that's authority. Laying hands on the sick requires physical strength. But to cast out devils requires authority. Now consider this. Sometime God puts the answer to a thing in a place where the answer really shouldn't be there. But that's where the answer is. Watch this. 
if you wanted to defeat a nation, would you send a man with an army or a man with a stick? We're going to send him with an army. Moses whipped Egypt with a stick. If you needed to give three million people water, would you send a man to a river or a rock? We're going to send him to the river. God sent Moses to the rock. If you needed to pay taxes, would you send a man to a bank or would you send a man fishing? We're going to send the man to the bank. The Lord sent Peter fishing. God turned the fish into an ATM. If you were looking for a pregnant woman, would you look amongst married women or amongst virgins? We're going to look amongst married women. But Jesus was over in the virgin section. He was in a place where he really shouldn't have been there. So where did God put the answer? You wouldn't expect it to be in an ex-alcoholic, but that's where the answer is. You wouldn't expect the power to be in an ex-pimp or a prostitute, but that's where the answer is. You wouldn't expect to find the answer in an ex-gangbanger and a drug addict, but that's where the answer is. You wouldn't expect to find the answer in an ex-gangbanger and a card shark, but that's where the answer is. You wouldn't expect to find the answer in a streetwalker and a hustler, but that's where the answer is. You wouldn't expect to find the answer in an ex-liar and an ex-thief, but that's where the answer is. Because the scripture says, such were some of you. You can't find the answer at Harvard. You can't find the answer at Yale. You cannot find the answer at Kansas State. You cannot find the answer at USC or UCLA or Georgia State. You cannot find this answer in the White House. You cannot find this answer in the hollow halls of Congress. Don't look so surprised that the answer to save the world is in you. did he put the power of the resurrection in you where did he put the power to heal the sick in you where did he put the power to restore sight to the blind and to unstop deaf ears he put it in you where did he put the power to raise the dead put the answer on you you have the authority to speak on earth in behalf of heaven we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost 
you are bought with a price. You have been duly authorized and deputized. You are armed and dangerous. You are the most powerful people on the planet. God didn't give you powerful weapons and then not give you the spirit to use them. Your weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth. God did not give you all this power and not the will to use it. Here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes we think the preacher is more anointed after he preaches. David was anointed king. He was king when he was asleep. He was king in the grocery store. He was king in the mall. Wherever he went, he was just anointed king. Let me de demonstrate something to you. Everybody in here, get your keys out. Watch this. You own those keys. Do you call the bank and ask them, can I drive the car? Do you call the bank and ask, can I go in my house? When he sent the, the 12 and the 70 out, they did not have to go back and get permission to do what he already told them to do. So folks are trying to get here just to get a green card. You can keep citizenship. They just want a job. God, you were born in this. You're already authorized and deputized, sanctified, purified, justified, and God has sent you out and told you to go to work. In a bad mood, you're anointed. Woke up on the wrong side of the bed, you're still anointed. Rolling over in your sleep, you're still anointed. Don't, don't, don't mess with me. You don't know what you'll get messing with sanctified folks. The Red Sea opened over sanctified folk. The sun stood still over sanctified folk. The axe head swam over sanctified folks. Ditches were filled with water without rain because of sanctified folk. He's able. To do exceeding abundantly above all that.
that you can ask or think. That's where we usually stop. But according to the power, the power in you, when you had your best thought, he can still do some above that. When you had another great thought, he can still do something better than that. Do you know what he said? How big is your imagination? If you can imagine it, I'll do it. If you can imagine it, I can make it. Because I can do exceeding. Peter said to the man at the gate of beautiful, I'm broke as a joke, but I ain't empty. I ain't got no money, but I'm full of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Let me give you a few examples of anointed people. You need an Adam to dress the garden. You need an Eve to give life. You need an Abel to give a righteous offering. You need an Enoch to get a heavenly call. You need a Noah to build an ark. You need an Abraham to bless all the nations. You need a Sarah to give birth to promise. You need an Isaac to be a perfect sacrifice. You need a Rachel to give birth to two nations. You need a Jacob to get 12 tribes. You need a Moses for a Pharaoh. You need a Joshua to get the sun to stand still. You need a Caleb to conquer a mountain. You need a Deborah to win the battle of Sisera. You need a Samson for the Philistines. You need a Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem. You need an Esther for a Haman. You need a Samuel to anoint a king. You need a David for a Goliath. You need an Abigail to save her family. You need a Solomon to build a temple. You need an Elijah for a Jezebel. You need an Elisha to get a double portion. You need an Isaiah to see the six winged seraphims. You need a Jeremiah for a rebellious nation. You need an Ezekiel for the valley of dry bones. You need the Hebrew boys for a fiery furnace. You need a Daniel for the lion's den. You need a Mary to give birth to a savior. You need a Jesus to take on death, hell, and the grave. You need a 12 apostles to complete the foundation of the church. You need a Peter to get the keys to the kingdom. You need a Paul to witness to governors and kings. You need a Dorcas to make clothes for the saints. And you need a John to get a revelation. God put the answer in a place where you wouldn't think the answer should be. It's a dangerous thing to ignore me. It's a dangerous thing to turn up your nose and roll your eyes at me. Because you just walked past the answer that could save your soul. Don't you discount me. Don't you count me out. When you count me out, you better keep counting. Because I got comeback power. I got power. They may never meet your pastor. But they met you. 
They may never meet your first lady or the deacons, but they met you. And the answer is in that place where you've been discounting yourself. Let, 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 me, let, let me have one of the deacons talk to you. Ain't got time to go get a deacon. The answer is in you. Ah. Sometimes we ask God a question. God, why did you send me to this God-forsaken place? And he said, that's why I sent you there. Because it's God-forsaken. I'm sending you in there to light it up, to turn it upside down. I'm sending you in there to demonstrate the power. Mm. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall see dreams. Science doesn't have the answer. The philosopher doesn't have a clue. But the answer is in the saints. I'm almost through, but let me explain something to you. Jesus stood up in the middle of the storm because we read the Bible as a book. Jesus reads the Bible as an instruction manual. He read in Genesis, I have given you authority over the fowl of the air and over the fish of the sea. Jesus understood the text. If you gave me authority over the fowl of the air, that means I have authority over the air that the fowl flies in. If you give me authority over the fish in the sea, you give me authority over the water that he swims in. So Jesus stood up in the middle of the storm and said, peace be still. And it obeyed him because he got his authority according to the book. Uh, now, we understand that Jesus is God. But Jesus is not man born God. He is God born man. All of the victories that Jesus won he won as a man and not as God. If only God can walk on water, he could not invite Peter to come out and walk. If only God can heal the sick, he never would have told you to lay hands. If only God can open blinded eyes, he never would have told you to whisper a prayer. The scripture says, death came by man, so also the resurrection. Jesus won the battle of the resurrection as a man, not as God. Jesus is not born all-knowing. 
The scripture says he learned by the things that he suffered. That meant he had to read the Bible to discover who he was. He has to believe his mother's testimony and believe that the scriptures were talking about him. So he got up the nerve to go to church and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it to the minister, and sat down and said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, because these are they that testify of me. Now I want you to get this. The prophecies are about Christ. Jesus is the first fruit of many brethren. So what it said about Christ, it said about the body of Christ. So it's time for the church to move to the supply side of the gospel. You see, an example presents a problem with the solution. They taught us in school, if you're having trouble with this problem, go back to the example. When you read the scripture, you are not supposed to be blind Bartimaeus anymore. You're supposed to see yourself doing what Jesus did and healing blind Bartimaeus. You are no longer to be the woman with the issue of blood. You're supposed to see yourself healing the woman with the issue of blood. The man with the withered hand, you're supposed to heal the withered hand. The woman been over for 18 years, you're supposed to see yourself healing her. If you are still the woman with the issue of blood, you better go back and read the example. If you steal the man that was, had the infirmity for 38 years, you better go back and read the example. Because your example is to do what Jesus did. Ah. So God needs you to be more than a conqueror. He needs you to be ready to fight. He needs the church to get strapped, to get cocked, locked, and ready to rock. Because you got the power. For the kingdom of God is not word and deed, but of power. So we sang an old song. I can feel him in my hands. I can feel him in my feet. I can feel him all over me. Well, honey, let me explain something to you. If the devil has beat you up all week, you ain't got no business coming to church shouting. 
the devil said, you've been with me all week. You better have a seat. You know where we was last night and you know what we did? You better have a seat with me. But if you have been whipping the devil all week long, and if you have put knots on his head, if you have cut heads off, if you have trampled over scorpions and demons, now it's time to yoda toda zama barak. Now it's time to praise. After you win the fight, it's time for you to praise. After you put on the whole armor of God, and been in the trenches fighting all week long. Be giving the devil black eyes, uppercuts, right cross, karate chop. Whatever you have to do, let your hands be loaded with J-E-S-U-S. You got twice the power. Let me say this to you. The church lives by faith, but it operates in authority. When God sent you and saved you, he didn't say you had to come back and check in. He sent you to do it. Hello? He said, you don't need another permission slip. You had your permission slip at the word go. He didn't have to say nothing else but go. And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. This power is so great. When I say he filled you with the power that created heaven, let me lay a heavy thought on you. We say heaven is God's home. Where was God when he was creating heaven? <laughs> Where was God when he was creating heaven? If it was his house, he made a house too small. Because the Bible says the heavens of heavens cannot contain God. So he filled you with the power that created heaven. When you're weak, it's a fleshly reaction. Because the spirit is willing. But the flesh, you feel like giving up, that's your flesh cutting up. You feel like cussing them out, that's your flesh. When you feel like sitting down and folding your arms, that's your flesh. But your spirit is saying, come on, let's go, let's go. Get yourself up, shake yourself, dust yourself off, and get back in the fight. You got the power. The reason God doesn't accept our excuses is because he knows what he put in you. You think the energizer got power? You think the sun has got power? You have more power 
than the archangel Michael. When the devil showed up to dispute over Moses' body, what did Michael say? Satan, the Lord rebuke you. What did he tell you to do? Cast out demons. So you wouldn't have had to say the Lord. You could have said, I command you in the name of Jesus. Get up and get out of here. Because you got the power to turn the world upside down. You got the power to go on your job. When the haters committee get together, why do you think all of them are against one? Because one can chase 10,000. One can chase a thousand. Two will put 10,000 to flight. I don't care how many they got on your side. With you and God, you got enough. So the next time somebody approaches you, don't make a phone call and say, listen, I'll get you some help. They're talking to you because you are the help. The scripture said, be ready to give an answer. You know enough. All you got to do, if you don't know enough scripture, just use your testimony of how God picked you up and turned you around and washed you and cleansed you up, stopped you. And, hey, hey, I got power. I got power. Look at my hands. There's power. They just look empty. Look at my feet. I got power. I got power. I got power. Somebody shout power.